Hey guys, so before I go into today's episode of the podcast, I just want to make an announcement. So if you are new to the podcast or if you've been listening to the beginning, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. But I just want to make a special announcement that my first ever book is going to be coming out on the 3rd of December 2021. And The title of the book is The No-Nonsense Approach to Female Fat Loss and this is something that has been brewing for quite a while and it's something that I'm very, very passionate about and inside the book you'll be kind of looking at how to understand your menstrual cycle, how to understand your cravings, when to push your training, when to ease off your training, how to train and eat during your pregnancy and train around it, PCOS, how to understand endometriosis, amenorrhea, which is lack of a cycle. The pill is beneficial. What type of pill is more beneficial? Does it does it impact your sex drive? We talk about perimenopause and menopause, and we talk about thyroid, and there's many other topics that we talk about. So it's fairly in depth. It's going through every single stage uh, that a woman can go through, and it's fairly in depth. A lot of research, a lot of effort's been put into it. So I'm super super excited to announce that the book is available for pre-order through the link in the episode notes and it will be available through the link in my bio on Instagram at Shane Walsh Fitness or if you want to head over to shanewalshfitness.com forward slash pre-order the book and you can get all the details there. It will be available on Amazon from the 3rd of December as well which I'm super super excited for so I hope you guys enjoy the episode, hope you guys enjoy the book. Any questions on the book let me know but I'm super super excited and hope you guys get a copy very excited for this episode i know when i put it up on my stories the response when people saw that jessica was coming on was madness and it was overwhelming so today's episode is with jessica ash so jessica is at jessica ash wellness on instagram so jessica has an incredible story jessica is somebody who has had pcos and hypothyroid suffer and now she's a complete utter self-professed hormone nerd. Uh, she spent a fair amount of the first time of her life on the roller coaster that is kind of hormonal imbalance. And she's had her own journey, so that's where she's coming from with that side of things. So she's gone from kind of insulin resistance to recovering from hormonal birth control use to adrenal fatigue to Hashimoto's to severe digestive issues to horrible periods to erect metabolism. She she's been there. She's worn the hat. And I think a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, "This is me." So she's also gone from the element of over four years of restrictive dieting expensive doctors thousands of dollars spent on supplements and they've all left her in a worse position than where she left off so jessica has been been there uh, where many have suffered and she's wearing that badge and she's wanting to help an awful lot of people jessica has over 150,000 followers all over social media and this episode is in depth so i would highly highly encourage you to get a pen and paper for this episode so the main kind of element of it is kind of like knowing and honoring your hormones we talk about that why someone women need to gain weight in order to lose weight what health what defines health to you why we shouldn't ignore heavy periods the importance of meal density and what that actually means that losing fat and losing weight are two very very different things ovulating on a consistent basis is one of the greatest metabolic powers that you actually have why your period is your monthly detox demonizing carbs won't do you any favors which i think is going to hit home for an awful lot of people and there's so much more we go into very very in depth into different hormones different elements and myths and stuff so if you have a pen and paper if you're a coach and you haven't listened to this i would highly encourage you to to listen to this this will help your clients while staying in your lane so i hope really, really hope you guys got you guys enjoy the episode with jessica jessica how are we yeah i'm great thanks for having me 
Uh, so Jessica, I know I did a brief intro just before I came on air. I know we were kind of chatting uh, a little bit, but can you kind of give a little bit of background from where you are at the minute and then uh, your, your background? Because it's it's an incredible story that you have yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like most people in this space in health or wellness or fitness, you kind of always have your own journey getting to here. I don't think you just decide one day like, oh, I'm just going to get interested in health. It usually starts with you. You're your own first client. And um, that just happened to me, to, for me to be at a super young age. I struggled with my health for as long as I can remember since being a teenager. And um I went the conventional route. And so by the time I was in my late teens, I was already really struggling with hormone issues, health issues, kind of all these mystery issues, weight issues. And I went from doctor to doctor to doctor and no one seemed to help me out. And I think I came to a realization early on that if I really wanted to change my life and I wanted to feel better, I had to figure it out for myself. And in doing that, I actually found like a love and a passion for the female body. And I didn't start where I am now, where I specialize really intensely into hormones and uh, thyroid health and metabolic health and specifically work with a lot of girls who have like PCOS and endometriosis. Um, I kind of landed here, but I started out as a personal trainer. I worked with a lot of like perimenopausal and menopausal women. And I started to realize like this whole kind of like calories in calories out was not working. And I, you know, I had been taught that as a personal trainer, like that's the way that you do it. And here they are just not able to lose stubborn fat. So I'm telling them to do more cardio and they're like, I'm doing more cardio. And one thing that I constantly noticed was that they were always saying like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Or they'd say like, I'm just being so bad. Like every night I just binge on ice cream or carbs. And it was always the carbs. Like it's always special PCOS. Yeah. So it's always the pasta and the ice cream. And they were just like, and they were so guilty and ashamed of, of that. Like they couldn't be strict enough. And so, you know, at that point I started to just dig into hormones on my own. Um, cause I was still kind of struggling with some of my own issues. And here I'm trying to understand like what's going on with my clients. And I was like, you know what? the nutrition part is something that's missing. And that's when I went back to school, studied nutrition, started to really just self-study hormones and physiology. And I kind of like just went on this journey and ended up in this place where, wow, like the female body is so amazing and no one's really talking about it in the way that they need to be. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you said all fair about like a lot of people you're linking in with is kind of like over in New Zealand and Australia, they seem to be streets ahead when it comes to that information compared to UK and Ireland or America. And it's really interesting that you kind of, you've noticed that whatever approach that you are told on your PT course or whatever it may be is like calories in calories out, just move a little bit more, whatever, but that doesn't serve an awful lot of people. It's interesting that you kind of, you change tack on that. You, one of the posts that you kind of put up, what really kind of like struck a chord with me was you say that why why some women need to gain weight in order to lose weight and i think this is either going to confuse people or it's going to like blow their mind so i think it's important to to dig into it yeah yeah so a lot of women i mean i would say that many women if you just went out on the street and you asked them what their health goal is they would always say like i want to lose weight i want to lose 10 pounds i want to lose 15 pounds i want to you know they're always saying like i want to fit into a size smaller jeans or i just want to be smaller or skinnier or 
you ask them what their health goal is and that's their health goal. And so they're not understanding that when you are, you know, even the term weight loss, like you don't lose your fat. You're not like, Oh my gosh, where did you go? Like, where are you? You know, it's, it's more about actually having your body work in a way that it's, it doesn't feel like it has to store up a bunch of fuel for later, because that's all fat storage is your fat cells expand to 10 up to 10 times their size to store fuel for later. It also provides um, warmth, keeps your body heat a little bit higher. And you can see how that could come in handy in, in times like winter or when you're stuck in a famine and there's not a lot of food, there's not a lot of a lot of abundance, you have that kind of to fall back on. But what's happening right now is our body's constantly assessing our environment and deciding if it's safe or not to use energy appropriately or properly, or if it needs to cut corners and save some for later. And our environment is often telling our bodies that it's not safe constantly. And it's not just the types of foods we're eating. We're not getting enough of the right nutrients. So we could be eating a calorie dense diet, but not a nutrient dense diet. Um, the types of exercises we're choosing are often exercises that numb us or put us into this kind of fight or flight state. Cause it feels good for a second, you know, to run, 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 or do these really intense hit sessions. But that actually, you know, tells our body, okay, it's not safe. Um, and then we're often, you know, working high stress jobs, never taking the time to rest. And so here we are in this environment that's constantly unsafe and our body feels like, Hey, I'm going to keep storing, storing more and more fat. And you can see this again and again with women is like over the course of their life, you know, in their twenties, they might yo-yo diet and it's easier to lose weight at that point. But then like in their thirties, they, they do the same thing that they did in their twenties. And it's not as easy to get to that point where they lose that weight. And then in their forties, it's near impossible because what has happened is over time, the body has become more and more efficient at cutting corners and using less energy to do its it's just basic activities. And so it's, it can e more easily put fat into storage. And so what needs to happen is we have to get our body using energy appropriately again. And the way that we start that is by eating more nutrients and oftentimes more calories. Most women are under eating. And so when you first implement more calories, and even if you do it slowly, you're still kind of in that limbo zone, I, I call it, where you're still in this place where you're not using calories efficiently, but you need to eat the calories to make your body use the calories. And so your, your metabolism is still kind of on the slower side, but you have to eat more to get your metabolism up. And that can be a really uncomfortable place because oftentimes women need to put on some weight intermittently for the body to feel safe again. And there does come a point where the body's like, wow, I'm safe. I have what I need. I'm getting it consistently. I can start tapping into those fat stores and using that fuel. And that's where I call it like the healing pounds or the safety weight. Oftentimes women will have to, to gain 10 to uh, people will say that 30 pounds is excessive, but some women are consistently sitting under what a healthy weight is for them. So for example, their hormones are just trashed constantly. Their cycles are all over the place. They're constantly cold. That shows you that your, your body fat percentage is probably too low for what's healthy for you. So a lot of women like to decide what's healthy for them <laughs> in their head. Like I want to be at this body fat percentage, but actually your body gets to decide that. And because of like what modern society portrays as like a healthy woman, 
Right now, a lot of women think that their healthy body fat percentage is much lower than it actually has to be, which most cycling women who are in that kind of um, reproduction phase of life usually need to sit between 25 to 35% body fat. And if someone Googled that right now, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't know that. The alarm alarm will go off. And if if someone hasn't, if someone hasn't got an amazing relationship with the weighing scales and then they go to get their body fat percentage done you're not going to really like the answer either so i'd probably stay away from the two of them but it's interesting what you said there about kind of most women are under eating because i think an awful lot of people would would say that it's probably the other way because there is like a kind of a kind of a a surge in people's weight of an obesity crisis around the world what do you mean when you say that people most women are kind of under eating yeah so i like to explain it more like inconsistently eating. They are, you know, they'll say like, oh, I, I skipped breakfast. You know, they use it kind of as a badge of honor. Like, yeah. oh, I forgot to I'm eat. I'm doing intermittent like, fasting. Yeah. Oh, all I ate today was just a sandwich, you know, like, hoo-hoo. but then towards the end of the week, they're like, you know, elbows deep in a gallon yeah. of ice cream because they're starving and I don't blame you at all. So really when I say under eating, it's oftentimes inconsistently eating. And then when you tell people like you need protein, you need carbs and you need fat, they're like, Oh my gosh, but carbs are so bad. And yeah, I mean, binging on pasta at the end of the week, like it's probably going to result in some, and some fat gain. But if you're consistently eating adequate protein at each meal and combining that with a really nutrient dense carbohydrate, like root vegetables or some rice or fruit, like that is going to actually provide your body fuel in a consistent and regular basis, not in these large portions that are not combined with protein. So I think it's all perspective. I think oftentimes under eating, it's really inconsistent eating. They're like, you know, low calorie, low calorie, low calorie days. And then all of a sudden they have this super high calorie day because they're starving and then they do it all over again. And instead it's really important to spread your food out over the course of the day, spread your food out over the course of the week and really eat consistently and make sure you get all your macro nutrient needs your protein your carbs and your fats in balance rather than focusing on just one i love the fact that you kind of you kind of you explained that really really well in fairness because i think a lot of people would have freaked out say why are like why i'm not under eating because i'm putting on weight it's it's the consistency with what way you're doing you're probably monday to wednesday you're being so-called good in inverted commas thursday friday saturday sunday is where a lot of the food and those types of say ice cream carbohydrates and there's nothing wrong with those i love ice cream it's my daily go-to right exactly yeah it's a girls love chocolate so it's like ice cream is my thing um, you put up an amazing post kind of like around September time and kind of what to, what health or what defines health to you, because mm-hmm. I think health means something different to every single person. And yeah. what you wrote here is kind of it, it's it's quite unique. So it'd be interesting to hear, hear a little bit more details about the post. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the age of social media right now, we often are idealizing, especially women, women, women are doing this to women. (laughs) Um, We idealize certain women as beautiful, or we see their bodies and we think, oh, wow, I wish I could look like that. And so we unknowingly kind of determine that health is that thing that we're seeing. And 
really it's all smoke and mirrors oftentimes, because first of all, you don't know what these women are struggling with. You don't know how their cycles are. You don't know how they're feeling. And we need to start prioritizing our own body's function over its aesthetic. It's okay to want to look good and look the best you possibly can, but it's not okay to sacrifice everything else at the expense of that. So some, some things that I remind women that to use to kind of, um, track their, their vitality or their health. Um, I call them metabolic markers are things like body temperature. You know, you want to be waking up at 97.8 or around there and seeing that increase over the course of the day, not drop and go up and drop and go up. You want a good, strong pulse rate, which means that your body is moving blood, which brings nutrients and oxygen to all your tissues and your cells. So you don't want it to be too low and you don't want it to to be too high as well, because that shows that the body's under intense stress and trying to get nutrients to certain organs very quickly. So I say anywhere in between, you know, uh, 70 to 90, but usually like 75 to 85 is a sweet spot. People that are more athletic are maybe going to have a little bit lower of a pulse rate just naturally. Um, but you, you want to make sure it's not too low or too high. Um, and then other like just your, your cycle is a huge deal. So for women, a lot of women say, well, I have a period, so I'm fine, but it should be (laughs) that you have an ovulation because progesterone, when you only make progesterone, when you ovulate, and that's kind of like your youth hormone, it speeds up your metabolism. It warms up your body. It's that thing that gives women that pregnancy glow. And if you're not ovulating or ovulating well, then your period is not really benefiting you. It's not, that's not actually a healthy cycle. So we want a period that is not really super symptomatic, but we want that strong, healthy ovulation that really lasts like really 11 to 14 days. So you want to ovulate and then have 11 to 14 day luteal phase and then start your period. And that that's really what we want to be looking for. That's a sign of a healthy cycle. Um, some other things would just be like strong sleep, being able to sleep well, um, having hair that grows and doesn't constantly break or isn't dry and brittle. You want your skin to be healthy, your nails to be healthy. Um, you want to have great digestion. You don't want to feel like super bloated all the time or that food's moving through really fast or really slow. Um, you don't want to feel like you constantly have digestive problems. Um, and then your mood and your energy are huge. So if you feel like your mood is constantly up and down and up and down, or your energy just constantly falls really fast, that shows you that, okay, my blood sugar control is very poor and I need to really work on nourishing my body better. So those are the things that I look for with health and vitality. I don't care what your weight is. If all of those things are struggling, it's really important to see the whole body in context with perspective. I love the fact that you brought it. I don't care what weight you are, but as long as your, uh, your body's going to give you the feedback, I think particularly for girls, your body's are incredible things and if your cycle is in any way distressed or if your body is in any way fight or flight mode it's going to turn off the hormones it's going to the pms side of things if there's anything feedback it's it's going to kick off and your body's not gonna you're not gonna like what the what the symptoms that occur so it is important to kind of like be in tune with what's going on and i love the fact that you you kind of brought in the the nourishing side of things of like you need to eat the, the fuel for your body you need to like I always compare it like to a mobile phone. You charge your phone, but you don't charge your body. And then you're expecting to function as a human. And then you're falling flat in your arse. Like you have to, you have to look at it from that point of view. One of the things you kind of talked about there was kind of the feedback with the period. And one of them was 
that you did mention was the heavy periods and why they yeah. can't be ignored. What feedback is that actually providing to the woman or if someone's working with a coach or a doctor or whatever, maybe what feedback is that providing to the person? Yeah. So heavy periods, super crampy periods, or just like PMS ridden periods, like you just feel like your period is hell weak. Um, That is usually a sign. So I always say use it as a sign to to start tracking your ovulation first and foremost. So a lot of women are always asking like, well, what does this mean when it comes to my period? And it's like, well, the first question I always ask is, are you ovulating first of all? So a great way to track ovulation is by using a basal body thermometer, tracking your temperatures in the morning. You usually get a good temperature spike about 0.6 to a whole degree after you ovulate 24 hours after you ovulate, because now you're making progesterone. And so that really heats up the body. Um, I, I really love a book called taking charge of your fertility by Tony Weschler. It's a great way to learn your cycle and learn how to track ovulation. So that's the first thing is see if you're ovulating. A lot of women say like, Oh yeah, I ovulate, but they don't actually know if they are or not. The second thing is make sure that ovulation is lasting a good amount of time. 11 to 14 days is what you want your progesterone to last. If your, your, um, luteal phase is really short, that usually shows that you're not making enough progesterone and progesterone should be that, uh, dominant hormone in the second half of your cycle. So women, we, we have two main hormones, estrogen and progesterone. Estrogen is this really powerful hormone. It is a hormone of cell proliferation and growth. It's really important for like bone health and growing things. That's why, you know, we need it to grow breast tissue and we need it to grow babies. So it is a, an important hormone in context, but you can see how a hormone of growth and cell proliferation when out of control can cause problems really fast. Um, it can cause all types of growths, cysts. It's what thickens the uterine lining. And so when you're, you're bleeding really heavy, that shows that the uterine lining thickened, but it wasn't tonified properly by progesterone. And so once we ovulate, we want our progesterone to now shoot up and become that dominant hormone over estrogen. And many women are living in this constantly estrogen dominant state because we have so many chemicals now in our environment and our clothes and our cleaning products and our makeup and all, you know, many products and just things we use in daily life on top of many foods are now estrogenic that we kind of include into our regular life, like lots of polyunsaturated fatty acids, seed oils, canola oil, soybean oil. That's at least that's a big problem here in the States. Um, and then a lot of people are eating like excessive amounts of, because this kind of push towards plant-based eating. So a lot of people are doing a lot more, um, beans and grains and kind of more estrogenic foods, which in moderation can be fine, but if you're loading up on nuts and seeds and then you exchange your milk for nut milk and, you know, you're doing tons of seed oils and just all this food that really is not traditional food that the human body really ate in high amounts, even just like a hundred years ago, what begins to happen is your body has this kind of onslaught of estrogen. And, um, then on top of it, stress depletes nutrients that we need to ovulate and ovulate well, make that progesterone. So here we are, we have lots of estrogens in our environment, inside of us, outside of us. And then on top of it, we are not making enough progesterone. We're kind of having a really hard time making progesterone, leaving us in this estrogen dominant state. And so usually poor periods or really symptomatic periods are a sign that we need to really work on those two areas. I think there's, there's an amazing lady over in the UK called Macy Hill. She compares um, the estrogen to the Beyonce hormone 
and yeah. the progesterone to your calming hormone, the one that kind of yeah. your yin to your yang, should yeah. I say. So if you're too Eastern, you're going to be a little bit aggressive. And then your progesterone, if, if that's sinking well, you're going to be a little bit more chill vibes and you're going to be a lot happier. So is your partner and so is your family and everyone around you. So it's important that everything is is working together. Um, you've also mentioned that kind of like, ov- you mentioned ovulation there a few times. And the fact that like, if you are looking to see when you are ovulating the, the rise in based on metabolic uh, temperature and stuff like that is an important statistic to kind of look into. But how important like ovulating well on a consistent basis, what is one of the greatest uh, metabolic powers that you've, you've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but can you kind of go into like how actually important is it? Because I don't think people understand that when they're necessarily on the pill, hmm. a lot of things are just kind of like, dimmer switch. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're on the birth control pill, most women on the birth control pill do not ovulate. So that's really important to understand. And, and the problem with this is that we have so many progesterone receptors in some very important organs. We have a, a lot of progesterone receptors in our brain, specifically in the limbic area, which is the area that controls um, aggression, rage, and impulse. So there goes your impulse control. There goes your ability to, to handle your emotions at all. Um, your, your feelings feel out of control. We have a ton of progesterone receptors in our breast tissue, our uterine tissue, um, our liver, even, um, our eyes, interestingly enough. So a lot of important survival organs and organs that we rely on on a daily basis that, you know, oftentimes women don't even think about until there's a problem with them rely on, on progesterone. They need those progesterone receptors. And, and, and partly the problem has, has come about by Western medicine really just considers progesterone as like a pregnancy hormone. Like, Oh, don't worry about that until you're pregnant. Like you'll make your placenta will make progesterone for you when you get pregnant, no worries. And it's so much more important than that. It also has a very um, interesting relationship with protein use. So when you start making progesterone at that point, that's around the same time that you drop an egg. So at that point, that egg could have been fertilized. So for the next two weeks, your, your body, every time you go through your menstrual cycle, the last two weeks of your cycle, your body's literally preparing for a potential pregnancy or implantation to take place at the end of that two week place. So if the implantation doesn't take place, then you start your period. But if you, if it does, then that's a possible start to a pregnancy. And so you can only imagine how much energy has to move, how many nutrients have to start moving to make space to start building this, this new life. And protein is a really important part of that. So progesterone really um, uh, impacts protein usage and that which is going to impact structure building. So all your whole body is built out of protein, your hair, your skin, your nails, um, everything that you care about on your being is made up of protein. And without progesterone, it's very difficult to use protein properly and, and kind of create these, this, this new, this new life, even when it comes to your own cells. Um, some other things are going to be your thyroid health. It stimulates that, that body temperature to raise by stimulating the thyroid. And so when you miss out on that, you miss out on your, your, um, your metabolism rising and kind of getting that metabolic benefit. And then it protects you from the catabolic hormone cortisol. So when we have too much cortisol in our body, or it goes unchecked, it really affects our belly fat cells. It tells our cells that we're stressed and we need to store up more 
fuel for storage or, you know, store up more, more fat um, to kind of keep us safe. And it also just makes us feel like we're constantly behind. We're constantly depleted. It really stresses out the adrenal glands, makes us burn through things like vitamin C and electrolytes very quickly. And it makes it very difficult to build muscle. So our sex hormones are so important. Um, and not just for like the things that people deem boring, but if you want to look a certain way, um, it's so important to care about your, your hormones. You, the one, I think one of the questions I sent over to you, right, the kind of the staying on the hormone side of things is in relation to like your period is your monthly detox. Um, yep. Because I think it, it kind of, it's kind of worrying that it's not taught better in schools about the whole cycle thing. I, I thought it was just Ireland for whatever reason, because of like the Catholic church ran Ireland for up until very, very recently. So like the, the, the whole thing was like taboo. You couldn't talk about it, but like in relation to why is the period, the monthly detox, because I don't think people realize how important digestion one plays an important with getting rid of the estrogen. And that's why it's kind of like, it can really, really help with it kind of get rid of the bloating and the discomfort side of things. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's similar in the U S it's kind of like, there's this push to kind of treat women like small men, you know, we can do just as, you know, every, we need yeah. to be the same and it kind of erases a part of our femininity and it erases, um, something that some stuff that's really important to us and our health. And I've seen so many women be put on birth control pill or the birth control pill and actually be, be told that they can just skip the bleed portion because during the, the week of, uh, of the bleed, it kind of, they, they give you placebo pills. So your body will have a, have a bleed, even though it's a hormone induced bleed, but some women are told they, uh, you could just skip the, that week and they'll go years without having even a bleed. And the thing about your period is it. So to back up a little bit, women are very good at absorbing iron from our, from our food. We actually absorb two times as much as men, obviously mother nature knows the best. We, we bleed once a month. So we are, we're very good at absorbing iron. The problem with this is we are now, there is an onslaught of iron in our environment. We have um, iron fortified foods, um, iron fortified flour products. So pretty much anything that's made with like bread or cereal or anything processed has iron fortification or um, ferrous iron in it. And then on top of that, a lot of the preservatives, at least in the US, are like ascorbic acid, citric acid, certain, um, I call them like, uh, science experiments, but there are certain food additives that actually increase our absorption of iron. And so our body, the only way we have to, to get rid of some of this iron is to bleed once a month. Um, there's other things that, that, uh, come out, um, all types of, of, uh, metals and toxins. But the biggest one that I think is the most important is our iron. Now, a lot of times you'll hear like women, Oh, women need iron. Women lose iron all the time. Like, but actually a, a lot of women are getting plenty of iron. We have plenty of iron stuck in our tissues, our liver, but we're not getting enough of the, the cofactors needed to use iron. These include, uh, bioavailable animal-based vitamin A. So retinol from places like egg yolks and liver and cream and butter, all the foods that we're told, like, don't eat too much of those. <laughs> um, uh, and then copper is so important. Um, so that comes from things like liver and shellfish and lots of animal foods have copper. 
B products are full of copper um, and then vitamin C, whole foods, vitamin C is full of copper. So, you know, that's going to come from fruit. Again, things that we're told don't eat too much of them um, are going to provide us with a lot of copper. And then we need plenty of magnesium. And unfortunately, most of the soil around the world is depleted in magnesium. We're not drinking that natural spring water anymore, getting plenty of magnesium. And it's, it's really wreaking havoc our ability to pull iron into the bloodstream and use it properly. It's not an iron problem. It's a, it's a nutrient problem. I don't think people realize that dark chocolate has a lot of magnesium in it. And then the girls, we like ears will prick up. It's like, this is the greatest news ever. Yeah. But if people are struggling with with magnesium, I highly recommend supplementing it with, with in relation to kind of PMS, but dark chocolate has um, magnesium in it. I think a lot of girls in particular will be kind of like, this is the greatest news of all time. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the other thing that kind of, uh, I think, men and women so it's not going to be a a gender specific thing is in relation to carbohydrates Mm. and the demonizing of carbohydrates is still rife unfortunately but then you have the other side of things which is the keto side of things which is a different rant altogether um why will demonizing carbs not do you any favors like i think this could be an episode on its own yeah absolutely yeah i think it's really important so Right now we have this push where men are a little bit more resilient to stress. Does that mean that they need to cut carbohydrates? Absolutely not. Um, But they are a little bit more resilient. And a lot of what's going on right now is you're seeing these men in the health and fitness space push low carb eating because they're doing okay on it, you know, which we know we like ask, okay, what's your body temperature? What's your pulse? Like, how are you sleeping? Those are all really important factors to ask someone that says that cutting carbs are the answer. But then we have women on the other side. And we have that, just like we talked about earlier, we have so much estrogen and progesterone constantly kind of doing this like little dance every single cycle. And we, our nervous system is constantly changing from week to week because of it. So with these fluctuations and hormones, depending on what week of our cycle we're in, we're a little bit less resilient to stress at certain points. And so our nervous system really takes that hit. Well, the nervous system actually requires at least 150 grams of carbs a day just to function. That's not even added to like muscle growth or, um, you know, all the other cells in your body, just the central nervous system. So the brain and the spinal cord are the nerves and people just don't realize that they'll often say like, Oh, your body can make carbs or, Oh, your, your brain runs on fat. But in reality, um, glucose is just more of that kind of quick firing fuel. Nothing makes more ATP in that way, in a special way than, than running off of glucose. And the problem with forcing the body to run on fat is that's its backup system. And the central nervous system does not do well running on fat. Um, some other cells do like your muscle cells when at rest, they can run on some free fatty acids. There are certain organs and, and cells in your body that like to, but your, your brain and central nervous system do not. And the problem with this is when our central nervous system is not getting enough carbohydrates from our diet, we have to make it. And the way that you make carbohydrate or glucose specifically is by increasing cortisol. So your adrenals actually have to pump out cortisol. Um, which is a catabolic hormone or something that breaks down tissue. That's all like catabolism. I I, I'll say cannibalism. You literally eat yourself. So, you know, pump out that cortisol, 
break down your muscle tissue because that's the least expensive tissue to break down. And you also don't need it for survival or you need a little bit, but not a lot. And then you send that protein or that tissue to the liver and it goes through a process called gluconeogenesis, where the liver turns that protein into sugar, secretes it back into the bloodstream, and then your cells pick it up and use it. So people don't realize that when you don't eat enough carbs, you have to make them. And when you make them, it requires an increase of adrenal hormones, those survival hormones. And those same hormones actually tell your body, your cells to store up more fat um, and, or, or at least burn through your muscle. So a lot of people say, well, how come people lose weight on low carb diets? They're often losing a lot of muscle tissue, a lot of liver tissue, gut tissue. They're, they're burning through a lot of their organs, their tissues. It's very sad, but, um, cutting carbs completely really does sabotage what you're, the results you're trying to get. It's so much better to eat adequate protein and combine it with high quality nutrient that's carbs that you do well with. I love the analogy of you mentioned carbohydrates and ovulation. I think it's important to the, the, the kind of the comparison I make is like, if you're trying to start a car, you use a key thing of carbohydrates are the bit that start your car, which is the ovulation side of things. Otherwise, if you don't have carbohydrates, you're trying to start a car with a carrot and it's not yeah. going to very well. Nope. No. So take carbs carbs are key carbs are class leave carbs in you will feel a lot better and the people around you will like you even more um no. so stop cutting them out please stop cutting them out um especially like is i think one of the things that like well, carbohydrates and pcos is kind of mm. one of those things do, do you still think that myth is still rife and is there anything that we can do as practitioners bars keep ramming up down people's throats that carbohydrates aren't the issue or you could like, you don't have to cook carbs for PCOS. Yeah. So I think, I think carbs continue to be pushed as the issue because I, ca I call it like surface level health and wellness yeah. and then like deep healing health and wellness. And they're two separate things. And because women with PCOS often have high blood sugar, sometimes elevated insulin, which is going to stimulate the ovaries to make more testosterone. What happens is people say, oh, blood sugar, bad, insulin, bad. And they don't ask the right question, which is why are these two things high? So we just talked about how cortisol, when, when you are in need of glucose, your body actually makes it. And I noticed this when I, I was a low carb, I was actually a low carb and keto nutritionist for a very long time before I became um, pro metabolic and talked a lot more about how carbs were very important and educated about physiology. But one thing that was stumping me and what led me to do more research was women were eating very low carb. I'm talking maybe 40 grams of carbs a day, getting carbs from only vegetables. And they were waking up with a blood glucose level of sometimes one 130, 140. And I was like, where, where is this glucose coming from? Because they're not eating it. And I saw other nutritionists saying, oh, you just need to go lower carb. And I was like, but why? And what, what actually is happening is the more cortisol in your body, the more stress you're pumping out, the more glucose you're making. Because when you're running from an angry bear, your body needs more fuel, not less. And so women who have PCOS are often in this constant state of stress because they are not getting the right nutrients they need. They're not getting the right balance of protein, carb, and fat. And then on top of it, they're often not ovulating regularly. So here, there goes their protection of progesterone. They're continuously estrogen dominant, and they also have excessive amounts of stress hormone. 
Insulin is an anabolic hormone. So we have the catabolic hormones, cortisol, and we have the anabolic hormones, which build tissue. Isn't it interesting that a woman who's under intense amount of stress and being slammed by catabolic hormones has a, has a hormone that's high that protects tissue or builds tissue. So PCOS is not a carb problem. Uh, that that's, that's like looking at it from the very surface level, yeah. shallow level. It's a stress problem. And these women need nutrients. They need balance. They need safety. They need to actually regulate their cycles so that they're ovulating again regularly and have that progesterone. And they need to get their cortisol levels down the insulin, the blood sugar will take care of itself. Once those things are focused on, those are just symptoms of a much bigger problem. Their nervous system needs help. I love that. I really do. Like if, if anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast so far, there's loads and loads of episodes on PCOS, different types of PCOS. We had Lara Bryden on. We've had Claire Goodwin on. We've had loads of different people on to talk about PCOS and the various different types and how to manage them. Uh, the last question I'm going to ask um, Jessica is in relation to losing fat and losing weight are two different things. Hmm. I don't think people realize this. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 I don't think I realized it for when I first started doing training or whatever it was for a very long time. But can you expand what losing fat is, then what losing weight is, and how they're very different? Yeah. Yeah. So I like to first say like a lot of people have the, a lot of women at least probably listening have yo-yo dieted in what some way, yeah. shape or form. They've probably looked at someone's body and said, especially like if you're, I know like you spe- specialize in like strength training and talk a lot about lifting. You probably look at these fit girls and think, Oh wow. Like I need to, a lot of women will look at them and think I need to lose weight. That's the first thing they think of because their body doesn't look like that. But in reality, what a lot of women actually need to do is build muscle. They want to change the shape of your body. Losing fat doesn't change the shape of your body. It just makes your current body, what you have a little bit smaller. It will look exactly the same. And a lot of women don't recognize that they, they actually, their goal is not actually weight loss. It's actually, they want their body to be different. They want different body composition. They use the word toned. Toned, yes, I want to get toned. <laughs> toned. I think when, when girls think that they're going to lift weight, I think it is a, a very big problem. Like, I think they're going to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, you're not. Yeah. Yeah, really what toned is, is you're actually redistributing fat. You are now seeing muscle tissue through some of your layers of fat. That's literally all that's happening. So what, what do you need for that to happen? Well, you need to build muscle and you need to shift your hormone profile so that your body stops storing fat in the areas that provide safety, AKA all your internal organs. If your body does not feel safe, you're going to pack on the pounds right around where your uterus, your ovaries, and your vital organs are your liver, your heart, your lungs, like that's where you need the protection, your abdomen. So What we really need to do is we need to focus on building muscle, which increases your ability to use calories at rest, makes your use of fuel a lot greater. And then you want to shift your hormones or your environment to show your body that you are safe. You have consistency, safety, stability, abundance. So if your goal is just to lose weight or see uh, numbers move down on the scale, that is 
that's e- more easily achieved because you could just hop on the treadmill and just run and burn through your muscle and you're going to see numbers go down, but that's not actually going to achieve the goal you want. That's not going to actually achieve the aesthetic you want. So losing fat is actually about increasing your metabolism so that you can tap into your stored fuel and use it. Whereas losing weight means that you can lose from your, your muscles, your organs, and it's not actually probably going to change your body composition all that much. So losing fat is a little bit more targeted and strategic, and it often requires consistency, time, which women hate, um, but you have to just give it time. There's no 90 day transformations here. And you also really do need to focus on the foundational things that you might not consider have to do with fat loss, like sleep and getting some sunlight and, you know, managing your stress levels, taking time to rest, taking time to kind of restore yourself and then eating, eating is huge, eating the right things in the right amounts and on a consistent basis, not skipping meals and chucking coffee instead of breakfast, like getting away from that inconsistent eating that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast and getting to a place of consistency, because that's the only thing that's going to translate safety to the body, which is going to equal, um, body composition changes over time. I love that. I think it is important that like we can see that the shift is being made towards kind of like women getting strong um, and adopting that. You used the line earlier from Dr. Stacey Sims of women are not small men. Um, And it's imperative that like women realize that if you start to lift weights, it will improve body composition one, but it will also have longer effects and longer lasting effects on your bone health for when you're getting older. I think when people think that they're going to lift weights is all this short term, you have mm-hmm. to think long term for your own he- overall health. But what you've said here down the head in relation to its consistency, the C words that people don't like, there's two of them, but this is one of them. And in relation to getting the, the minerals, the vitamins, fueling your body, understanding when you can push your sessions, when not to push your sessions, getting enough minerals and vitamins in and actually fueling the, 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 the body for yourself and not cutting out stupid food groups because that hasn't served you so far and nothing's going to change overnight regarding that. If you're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, that's the definition of insanity. So Jessica, I cannot thank you enough for like, you've you've covered so much on on the episode. Where can people find out about yourself? Where can people find out about your Instagram and anything else? And where can people work with you if they need one, if they want to? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm mostly active on Instagram at Jessica Ash wellness. Um, and then I have a website, justcashwellness.com. I have a few free guides for people that maybe want to dig deeper into what we talked about today. I have um, a specific uh, guide called the metabolism check-in guide that goes over the temps and pulses that we talked about that people can download for free. I also have um, a liver detox guide that talks a little bit more about um, estrogen detoxification that we talked about today. So boosting at, um, progesterone and getting estrogen out of the body, eliminating it properly. Um, so people can, can, get that on my website but those are kind of the two main places that people will be able to find me amazing uh jessica i cannot thank you enough for for coming on and um sharing so much like i i think people are going to be repeat listen to this a few times to take the, the amount of notes that you gave so thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me Shane.